Welcome to Whiskey with the Witcher. I'm Valerie. And I'm Tim. And this is a podcast where we drink whiskey and talk about the Netflix TV series, The Witcher. Spoiler alert. While each episode of our podcast directly correlates with an episode of the show, we will be discussing the series as a whole. And we'll be mentioning things from the games, books, and the other pieces of Witcher IP. Although we'll do our best not to spoil any major potential plot points. You have been warned. So Valerie, let's kick this off with the most important question of the podcast. What are we drinking? Well, for our inaugural episode, I wanted to do something really special, which got me thinking. The Witcher is a Polish series, so let's do a Polish whiskey. This in turn led me down a crazy search engine rabbit hole because Poland is known more for vodka and cordials and not so much for whiskey. But there are a few brave souls out there trying their hand at the Polish whiskey game. This whiskey in particular, creatively named Polish Rye Whiskey, is actually a joint venture between two different companies. First, it was distilled in Poland by Kazuba and Sons Distillery, which originated in Poland, and then they moved their company to the U.S. because, and this is a direct quote from their website, when it came to marketing and selling, Poland's highly monopolized industry did not have room for small, family-operated craft operations. You know, you uh, come here for Witcher content, and then you wind up getting a bonus lesson about the Polish spirits industry. <laughs> anyway, the whiskey was then finished by another distiller in the U.S., which is called, wait for it, Cat's Eye Distillery. Now, if you're listening and you don't get the perfection of this reference, in the non-live-action versions of the Witcher universe, Witcher's eyes have been mutated to have slit pupils like a cat. Hence, cat's eye. So cheers, Tim. Let's drink and discuss episode one, The End's Beginning. Okay, so you know how sometimes you listen to podcasts and they recap the entire episode or the entirety of the podcast? We're not going to do that here because we're assuming that you've already seen the episode and thus have a vague idea as to what's going on. But if you don't remember entirely, we're going to give you a brief refresher, Tim. So... <laughs> This is an off-the-cuff summary. Yeah, we're putting him on the spot. Yeah. This episode actually combines two different stories. Um, one deals with Geralt the Witcher, and one deals with Cirilla, who they intersect later on. Um, the Geralt part of the story deals with him meeting this character named Renfri, who is a woman who's been supposedly inflicted by a curse, which we will get into later, and um, meets with her and intersects with her and finds out there's a wizard who wants her to be killed. <laughs> a wizard named Stregobor. Uh, pretty, pretty, you know, kind of douchey guy. Yeah, I would say. extremely, I would <laughs> say. Um, who wants her killed and wants Geralt to do it. Geralt does not want to do it. Um, likewise, Renfri wants to kill this wizard and Geralt finds himself in the middle of this dispute between the two of them and um, and having to to work that out. And, you know, doesn't really work out too nicely. Yeah, it doesn't really work out for anybody. So yeah. maybe Stregobor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're spoiling the episode, right? So Hey, we warned yeah. up at the tip. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, at the, in the end of the episode, Renfri tragically ends up dying, which has a, a pretty big effect on, on Geralt, which we will get into. Yeah, and then with um, Ciri's storyline... We find out a bit about like Ciri's past, her family, you know, everything seems to be going great until suddenly it isn't. And the kingdom is basically overrun by enemy forces. Lots of people die. Ciri goes on the run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the gist. That's the basics of what happens in this this first episode. Um, you know, now I guess it's time to talk about just how it works as an episode and what we think of these different elements and things that happen in it. And, you know, I guess... I have a question for you, Valerie. Why 
this is not the first story that kicks off the the novels of The Witcher, which um, for those of you who don't know, The Witcher is based on a series of novels. First of all, two short story collections and then a series of five novels that all build on each other and tell this one big saga. And this is based off of one of the short stories in one of the first books. Um, the books are written by a Polish author whose name is Andrzej Sapkowski. Um, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Although if we have any Polish listeners out there who who know that I'm butchering it, please let us know. Um, but Andrzej Sapkowski, um, his first book, The Last Wish, this is not the story that kicks that off. It's a, a different story. Um, so I'm curious, do you... What are, you, what are your thoughts? Why do you think the series, a TV series, begins with this story, which in the book is called um, The Lesser Evil? Yeah, well, I think that this is a good starting off point because it really introduces you to the meat of Geralt's character. Like, he's this monster hunter. He doesn't want to get involved. He's just here to make coin and kill monsters. And then more and more as the episode unfolds, you see, oh, actually, that's not really who he is at all. He does get involved, like, all of the time. And sometimes it works out, but a lot of the times it doesn't. It comes back to bite him in the ass. So I think this is a great introduction to his character and to the world as well. We jump right in with like what witchers are, as well as the fact that there's magic and curses and princesses and things along those lines. But, you know, it's interesting and we'll get more into this particular story when we get to the episode. But I'd say the first story of the short story collection does as well. They also it also serves as a good introduction to who Geralt is and what witchers do. This story is interesting because it introduces this character of Renfri, who I love. I don't know how you feel about her. But oh, I love Renfri. Yeah, I love Renfri. I wanted Renfri to like be his sidekick throughout the yes. entire series. Yes. But I was so mad when that didn't happen. I know. And that's the thing. It introduces you to this character of Renfri, who I think is this fabulous female character, you know, then she she dies at the end of the episode. And granted, that does have an effect on him, but you you don't get much of her. And so in, in some ways, it sets up this sort of relationship. You know, it's not what the series is about, which I find an interesting choice. I'm not saying it's a bad choice. I don't I don't know that it's a bad choice. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to make that, that case, but it's an interesting one. And I'm curious, you know, wondering like you know and obviously we we don't have the showrunner here but um what would be the thinking of choosing this episode over it and i'm not sure i you know i don't know if we know obviously now for our listeners who might not have read the first short story book can you recap without spoiling it because i believe they are going to turn into yeah. an episode later like mm -hmm. just what the gist of the first story is that you're referencing yeah it was one um you know and i will we will recap it more in detail when we get to that episode. But it's Geralt gets tapped to kill Astriga, which is a cursed, what is she, like a princess? Or Yeah. Um, so it's, a, it's another monster. And what's interesting about, about The Witcher as a show, you know, it's ostensibly about this character who is this, this, this human who's been mutated and kind of shaped into this, this sort of warrior to fight and kill these monsters, you know, which are, are roaming the land and kill people. So um, it basically, you know, that's what this character is. The show is called The Witcher. And I find it interesting, you know, that for that being the title, that being the, who this guy is, there's not a lot of monster killing actually <laughs> sure, in the yeah. series. Like this episode. And well, we opened on some monster We opened on some monster episode. killing. Yeah. yeah like, like Kikimura. Yeah. One of the best, I think, monster killing scenes in the series, maybe not the best. We could get to that later when we get to the, the Striga episode. Yeah. But, um, but it is like, you know, it starts with that. And so it kind of sets up this idea that this is a character, this is a show that's going to be about 
killing monsters. And then it kind of goes into a different direction. And then, you know, after this episode, which, you know, let's not talk too much about that, but it goes even further into a different direction. So it's not really about killing monsters, but then you open with him killing a monster. And then there's certainly a lot of talk uh, about monsters throughout this episode and, you know, the different forms that monsters can take. And that the real monster was man all yeah. along. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're not wrong. Uh, I feel like it doesn't quite hit that note maybe as hard as you seem to yeah. like hitting it. Every episode, I guess. <laughs> but, um, but it's, um, it is about, you know, it does talk about that, but, you know, really the show is much bigger and, you know, and this episode does kind of give you an idea of that by also focusing on Siri and, and her story and getting, you know, her history, which um, which is pretty, pretty different than the the girl side of the story. I loved both parts of this story. I love the Renfrey stuff. Her actress, by the way, Emma Appleton, did such a freaking amazing job. I know. She was so good. And she's done, if I remember right, she's done very little. I remember yeah. looking at her IMDb and not seeing much else that she's done. She was so charismatic and just so fun and like, sexy and badass yeah. and just like a really really cool character and i was like i just wanted them to like get together and have adventures together and that was the show and unfortunately well, it didn't work out that way for for me or for renfrey well well let's talk about renfrey a bit because like we both love her and she's such an important part of this episode she's cursed i mentioned that briefly in my lousy summary um about you know with this curse that they call the curse of the black sun mm-hmm. um which is in, an interesting you know plot device because we don't we're never clear whether this this curse exists. And I suspect, um, you know, they, they kind of leave it open. You can decide whether you think this is a real curse or not. But I suspect you and I probably both think it's kind yeah, of it's really interesting because you do find out, too, when Stregobor is first talking to Geralt and telling him what's up with the curse and everything, you find out that he's lying. Like he says to Geralt that she murdered this huntsman that was supposed to get her with her mother's brooch. And then later Geralt's with Renfrey in the woods and she's like, oh, let me guess. Like uh, he told you I murdered this guy with my mother's brooch and then kind of pointedly looks at the brooch that she's wearing. That's uh-huh. clearly her mother's brooch. So, yeah, you get the you find out that Strayboard's definitely not telling the truth all the time. So I miss that. I oh, miss yeah. That yeah. I mean, she doesn't quite. It's not super obvious. But yeah, yeah, she's like, oh, with my mother's brooch and kind of has a funny look on her face is to be like, yeah, sure. That that's real. But yeah. Um, yeah, so you know that he's not being completely honest, at least about that. So yeah. you begin to wonder, like. He claims that, you know, there are all sorts of mutations and all the girls that, that were born under this curse of the black sun all have things that are weird and that they're all evil. But and it's like, you know, you got to say the obvious, I'm, I, you know, I'll bring it up. But oh, yeah. probably be, it's just girls. Yes, it's just curse. girls. I was thinking that I was honestly thinking that. I'm like, yeah, it's a medieval fantasy setting. So, of course, a woman has a personality or gets uppity and like, yeah. oh, she's a witch or, you know, cursed in this instance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I. I know, and we we will be talking a little bit more about how this episode compares to the story later. But I I know in the story she's a princess. Is she a princess? Yeah, in she's the a princess in the episode as well. Yeah, right? so so she's also a princess, which means there's possible and and oh, and there's political stuff yeah. behind it too. Like he says, she has a stepmother, and like yes, his, her yeah. stepmother is the one that's reporting all this supposed bad stuff that mm-hmm. she's been doing but it's never an unbiased source that's giving the information and that's the case i believe of most of the other 
girls who have been stricken with this curse. Yeah, They're yeah. all like princesses or some sort of royal royalty or aristocracy. And those are the ones that that and and how they treat these girls is is awful. You know, they either kill them. They, you know, they 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 um, autopsy them. One, they lock mention, them in a tower. They, yeah. or they mention lock them in a tower. Or at one point they mentioned um, I, I, maybe in the book. It's but in they the mentioned book. Vivisect yeah. Vivisect one of them. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know. In both cases, you know these girls aren't treated well. So certainly you can't fault Renfri for not wanting to, right. <laughs> to surrender herself over to Stregobor to be locked up. But she's such a fascinating character because, um, and this is true, I think, of, of the Witcher universe as a whole, which is what, one reason I think we love it so much, is uh, she, um, is, you know, you understand her, but she also, she makes some mistakes. She does yeah. some things that you're like, this wouldn't have happened if you hadn't done this girl. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when taking hostages and stuff yeah. and trying to like hold the town hostage. And, yeah. And which is more prevalent in the book than the show. In the show, she takes uh, take... Marilka hostage, which is another thing I want to talk about. Hmm? I really like Marilka's character too. The Marilka. little girl. She's so awesome. She's like his little sidekick. I love it. <laughs> she's awesome and she's um she's a little strange, but like I love in it kind though. of a fun way. Like it. like doesn't she like she's she sells like her dog? Yeah. yeah. She like, kills her dog. She kills and her dog like, and sells it <laughs> Which is a little <laughs> a little creepy, a little out there. But like, but I don't know, she manages to kind of make it an endearing sort of thing. Yeah, know? and she drops some interesting bit of lore. In which uh, she says that girls can't be witchers. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've spoiler alert, have not read all of the books. I guess that's not a spoiler alert. <laughs> uh-huh. But, you know, haven't read all of the books. But um, the first few I've read haven't really delved into what exactly makes a witcher a witcher and how that all works yet. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting. Like, what is it about women that can't be witchers? Is that the same across all of the witcher schools? Is that just the school of the wolf? Is it a hormonal, you know? Yeah. What What is the reason behind that? I wonder. I mean, I, I want to say because patriarchy. But because I, patriarchy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm being a little bit flippant, but, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they the witchers do have to go through a whole process to become witchers. And most of them don't survive. You learn that. What is it like one in, out of seven? Something like so it's that, some, yeah. that might not be the right number, but it, it's something like that. Very few of these boys who are sent off to possibly be witchers actually survive this process. And so maybe, you know, maybe girls just don't survive it at all. Or, you know, I don't know. Um, and it is still, like I said, a medieval fantasy world. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have some really badass women that we get to see on the screen. But societally, yeah. you know, women are still regulated to certain roles with the exceptions of Renfries and Calanthes and whatnot. So mm-hmm. maybe they just don't think it's a woman's place to be a witcher. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because you're right. In this episode, you do get two really fascinating, really rich sort of female characters who do not um who do not really exist on the show going forward. After right. They're, they're gone. You never they're, see them again. Yeah. Yeah. Which which. Which is fascinating because the show obviously does bring in, you know, other strong female characters that then, you know, stick around. But, you know, you start with these two that are introduced and and then really go nowhere. I'm not not done talking about Renfri. We'll definitely get back to her. But I do want to also... Um, ask about the other big character introduced yeah. in this episode, which is Stregobor, who we both, you know, <laughs> said we think he's kind of a douche. Oh, he's yeah. such a douche. <laughs> um, such a douche. I mean, the, all the magicians in the world of Witcher are complex characters, right? Like, yeah. I think it's safe to say that they're, they're, 
they're not they're certainly not the benevolent wizard you know that we see with like gandalf mm-hmm. and like the lord of the rings movies or you know or, or dumbledore and harry potter you know these are they're they're sort of complex and a lot of them i find um not very likable and stregobor i think is probably one of the worst of all of them yeah you know just because he 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 just feels like such a, a he's steamer. like a slimy yeah, yeah. you know like clear. self-serving yeah you know like he's locked himself up into this tower you know so, so basically because he's he's scared of renfrey you know so he's he's locked himself in this enchanted tower where he's protected and basically asks um girl to kill renfrey for him um because he can't do it himself. And yeah, she it's important. No, she's immune to magic. Yeah. Which yeah. so there there is some Black Sun curse that might have some validity. Yeah. Because magic does not work on her, which we see later in the episode when Geralt tries to axe her. Yeah. It doesn't take. Yeah. That's what I said. They, they give you a little bit to think maybe there's something to this. But um, but anyhow, you know, so so Stregobor's in this, you know, he's enchanted this this tower so that he's surrounded by these naked, you know, women <laughs> and, you know, crazy, you know. Like, are there are they having sex or are they just walking around? No, they're walking around picking fruit because, you know, that's what I want in the background of my house. Just naked people picking fruit. Yeah. And this is how he's where he's this is where he lives and chills and hangs out. And um, and this is where he has this conversation about how evil Renfrey is to, to to Geralt. You know, and Geralt, to his credit, is having none of it, right? He, yeah. he doesn't want, you know, he doesn't buy into the curse. Um, he's very skeptical of it. So he doesn't seem to like Stregobor much either. He certainly does not intend to go out and kill Renfrey. That's not his his plan. But then Renfrey kind of, you know, ends up forcing his hand. And, you know, and ultimately Stregobor sort of, yeah, kind of gets his way, which is, yeah. you know, a little bit maddening. You know? And then turns it too, so that everybody, at least in the show, it's not quite the same in the book, yeah. but in the show, he definitely like turns the crowd on Geralt. Yeah. Yeah. He is part of the reason that they're then stoning him and yeah. forcing him to leave. And he gets that whole Butcher of Blackman moniker that haunts yeah. him for like the next 20 yeah. years or whatever. Yeah. 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 For certain. And that, that moniker, it's a great moniker. It I've is. Always, it is. I've always loved that. But, you know, it does, starting, I think, with this episode and having that set up, if you don't know Geralt, if you've never read the books or played the games, and this episode is the first time you've seen him, it does leave you wondering, I think, a little bit about him. But, that that conversation, I want to. I was wondering because we're talking so much about this dynamic between them. When Geralt and Renfri, after they after he meets with Stregobor and they talk, that's kind of when you know this takes a little bit of a turn, like in the woods. And I know you have thoughts on things in the woods, but <laughs> um, but right now, just about Renfri. I mean, I, I guess just to sum up, he meets her at the beginning of the episode before he goes to see Stregobor, and um, and you know, and she just seems like this kind of cool. Yeah, she's you know, like this cool badass chick. She like chumps a beer in front of him. Yeah, yeah. that's great. He buys, doesn't double take. Buys him a drink. Yeah. yeah. In, in, in the bar when people don't want him around because he's a witcher. Right. Yeah. And she kind of stands up for him. Yeah. And tells everybody to mind their own business. Yeah. yeah buys him a drink. Chumps yeah. her beer. Yeah. He's like, whoa. Yeah. And so <laughs> so you, you see her at the beginning of this episode and you can't help but like this girl. I mean, she just, you know. She's got personality. Yeah. She's really fun. She's yeah. tough. She's cool. Yeah. And, um, and then you've this old guy wants Geralt to kill her. You're like, hell no. And, um, <laughs> but then she comes up again when he's, 
when when Geralt's off just kind of chilling in the woods, you know, making camp. Picking herbs, my favorite pastime from the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. <laughs> yeah, picking herbs, hanging out with Roach, his horse. And then Renfrey comes up and they have, you know, a conversation and um and and then do other things. <laughs> but you know, he basically gives her a choice, Geralt does, right? Or or basically says you have a choice, you, you know. Yeah, he's trying to convince her to leave. He's trying to convince her to give up on her revenge. Yeah. And then you think, you know, at the end of this, you think she has agreed to that. And um, and then you find out she doesn't. She goes into the wood or into into the city, takes a hostage. And and Geralt is, you know, doesn't want her to kill um, Marilka. And so they end up in a a fight and and Renfrey dies. And so that, you know, that's ultimately what her fate is. But, you know... Obviously, it's not what he wanted. I got to th- assume Renfrey expected him to side with her and go kill Stregobor or something like that, or let her kill Stregobor. I, I don't know. know. I don't. I don't know what, what she was expecting. You know. Can we talk about that fight though. That fight was like such a freaking badass fight. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. so impressive. It's, I think, one of the best sword fights in the series and we get it in the first episode yeah it Um, was amazing yeah Uh, because he takes out her men she has a a group of men who are a little more prominent in the story than they are in the the, Mm -hmm. the book or in the the tv show but he you know he takes all of them out by himself and it's first time you get to see him use the signs in the show Mm -hmm. right like yeah he uses a heart and then later when she shows up he uses um axe or tries to yeah and um and signs in case anyone doesn't know are the little spells that the witchers um, use their, they can't cast full on magic like the magicians do, but they can use these little quick, easy spells, like little hand signs. gestures. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you see those, and then you know, yeah, the fight between Geralt and Renfrey is fabulous. You yeah, know? it's so um, badass. Um, I mean, she uses like a sword and a dagger, which yeah, I, yeah. I had forgotten about. So she's using two blades, and um, he just has he just has the one. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't two fists with his two swords, although he does he does carry two swords but um you know he fights her off and ultimately kills her with her own dagger is that yeah right? she yeah. kind of like stabs her in the neck with her own dagger <sighs> yeah brutal but i mean it's such a great sequence and you know one of the things i love about it is just kind of the talk of monsters you know that they have it climaxes with that fight because i think what's so fascinating is and this is you know why i find renfrey such a cool character is i really think she resonates with Geralt in a way that oh um, for sure you yeah know, yeah that 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 I don't know if anyone else in the series does at least in the the series the Netflix series so far you know like he certainly has other friends and people who understand him and care about him but I think she gets him because you know as someone who's had to be inflicted by this curse people just seem to have it out for her. they don't want her around they're they're outright outright trying to kill her and Geralt as a witcher who is also uh, you know, a type of person who's just not liked. Yeah, been mutated. Mutated, yeah. Um, and not trusted. They're both seen as as monsters. Yeah, and, monsters and outcasts and yeah. something other than human. Yeah. And they don't really, you know, the, the whole thing is them kind of not wanting that, correct? Like, you know, it's like them trying to kind of become more than... I feel like in some ways, Geralt is trying to become more than that. And he has a conversation with her where she says basically like oh well what do you do when they turn on you and it's like they have but i'm not going to respond because then i'll be the monster they make me out to be whereas i think renfrey's kind of coming from a perspective of well screw you 
you made me into a monster, you'll see a monster, you know? Yeah. So I think they've had similar experiences, but are reacting to it in very different ways. And that's probably the key difference between the two of them, ultimately. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I, I find that so fascinating. Like when they talk about that, um, like one of my favorite lines in the episode is during the fight. And, um, and it's actually... I notice is a, a, a kind of almost a paraphrase or a little tweak on the line in the, the story, which is um, when she says magic doesn't work on mm-hmm. me, um, she says silver does. And um, silver is a sword that witchers use for monsters. They carry a silver sword and a steel sword. Steel sword is the one that they use just to fight normal people. And then when they're fighting monsters, they use the silver. And so when she says silver, silver does, and says silver is for monsters, yeah. uh, which I just thought was such a great line, you know? And that was, I think, right before then, then they start fighting, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, such a great line. It's not in the story. It's one that's just for written, just for the, the television. There's another great line I want to talk about, but it's it goes into the part of the story that we haven't discussed yeah. well yet, which is Citra. Uh-huh. And what's going on with Calanthe and Ice and Siri and Mausak and the whole sacking of Sintra and the Milk Guardian army. So mm-hmm. yeah. we uh, we open up on Sintra and it's a banquet and we get to see, well, first of all, we see Calanthe just doing like general, general queen shit, like, you know, <laughs> knighting some guys. Calanthe's amazing too. Yeah, yeah like, I love, Calanthe is my problematic fave. Well, I love yeah. Calanthe so much. You know, I mean, I realized I was incorrect. Like I said, they're two strong female, but I was only thinking of the, the witcher the story, side. Of the story. Yeah. You're right. When you take into Siri's account, you got Calanthe and you got Siri as well. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. Um, Calanthe is such a freaking badass. I love her so much. She's, she's so fun. Yeah. 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 And then you find out later to some really horrible things and you're like, oh no, she's, but she, I like you, but you're terrible. She's certainly a flawed character. <laughs> yeah. She, she is pretty great. I mean, I love the whole dynamic between this little, um, you know, well, I guess you can call it a royal family. It's yeah. Like the, you know, the grandmother and her husband and, you know, her granddaughter, but you find out the story about them later on in a later episode. But, but I feel, um, yeah, I love the the scene with um, her when she's listening to her people and then. Yeah, the, her granddaughter the, and husband in the background are just <laughs> making chit chat. Yeah. And being really funny. Yeah. Kind of gross. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my they're, they're fantastic. I was so, the first time I ever watched the episode, I was so devastated that they both died. I was like, no, but I like these people. Yeah. And they're just dead. Oh. <laughs> Seriously? Well, with 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 this story, what you get is the the Witcher story side of the story. The Geralt side of the story is very focused on him as a character and who he is and 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 what I guess being a Witcher is. Whereas I think the, the you know the introduction to Cirilla and um, and Sintra, you get this is the bigger this is what's happening in the kingdom of as a whole um, with with Nilfgaard. Um, yeah, so you want to. Talk a little bit about Nilfgaard. Yeah, so Nilfgaard is a neighboring, well, not quite neighboring, but it's another kingdom from another mm-hmm. part of the continent. And they have slowly been waging war in the north for quite a while. And mm-hmm. they have just been like conquering and taking things over. And you see at the beginning, like it's mentioned to Calanthe and she kind of hand waves it and is like, oh, it's been happening forever. It's fine. It's not a problem. And if they come here, we're Sintra, whatever. We'll kick their ass. It's not an issue. <laughs> yeah. And then you find out that, oh, that's not the case at all. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so Nilkar is slowly like making its way and they sort of hint
hinge at it in this episode, although you find more about it as the series goes, that part of the reason they're making their way is because of Siri. Siri yeah. Because Siri is more than meets the eye, and she's not just a normal princess. And you get some hints of it throughout the, this episode, that she's got some sort of, perhaps, power. Mm-hmm. She's uh, got the power of Screamo, as yeah. I've heard the joke made. on Not my joke, I'm stealing it from the internet. <laughs> but... um yeah, when she screams, she's got like this force behind her that oh. eventually at the end of the episode is like splitting, you know, knocking down towers and causing giant yeah. chasms to open up in the ground. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. pretty crazy. No, so yeah. there's definitely some shit going on with Siri that, you know, um, her grandfather, her grandmother and Mausak kind of share a look at one point. And they're aware that there's something happening and that they're aware, they're aware that uh, Nilfgaard is coming for her. Yeah. Mausak is the magician of you know, yeah, in the kingdom. As druid, well. who, yeah. Yeah, who has the worst name of any character <laughs> in the show, right? Oh, <laughs> poor dude. Yeah. He's, such, he's a pretty decent guy, he's a too. Badass. I yeah. really like him. Okay, so I was talking about lines, and one of my favorite badass lines that also is not in the books is when he um, erects the force field yes. around the castle and Siri goes, how long will it hold? And he goes, it'll hold as long as I do. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> Such a badass. And then, you know, it only held so long. <laughs> he holds, he holds it pretty decently. You know, like I presume he's he's there holding it, um, you know, like he can't move. He can't, right. you know, like he has to sit and concentrate on the spell. He can't eat. Yeah. He can't, you know, drink any. So, you know, he, he knew it was only going to last so long, but he bought them some time. I mean, Nilfgaard is um, is a force, you know, I think it's. Oh, think they're it terrifying. They, yeah. they do an excellent job in the show of making it very clear how just like deadly and awful these, yeah. these people are and that they don't take any prisoners and the people mm-hmm. in the castle commit suicide rather yeah. than be taken prisoner because Nilfgaard will just do horrible things to them. So I, that for me, watching this for the very first time, really set the stage as to like, oh my gosh, there are some stakes here. Yeah. Like there is a lot. This is really dark, but and, I kind of loved it, you know? And they're, I think they're they're continually um, underestimated. You you see this with Sintra, certainly, but I mean, I think this is true when you look at just the Witcher universe as a whole you know like you just hear about these all these kingdoms sort of falling to um to Nilfgaard and I think they're just underestimated constantly oh for People, sure you get that just from Galanthic yeah she kind of is like oh Nilfgaard whatever well yeah. we'll take care of them we're Sintra and then it's like no they're at, they're at your gates yeah they're killing and they're, your people and and they're formidable yeah and, you know and so so you get you know um this episode is just so I think it's such a strong episode just right out of the gate because, you know, along with all this other awesome stuff you get, you get like a pretty great battle scene. And oh, this, yeah, for sure. you know, probably I think the well, until the end, like the biggest one, you know, in the series until the end of the first season. And um, uh, the king, which I think his name is Iced. Yeah, yeah Iced. I, um, he gets he gets killed and Calante gets what you presume is like mortally wounded, yeah. although she does. She does get back to the the castle. Um, I think I went no with the TV when he took that arrow in the eye. Yeah, I was like, no, I like you, Ice. You're sassy and fun. Yeah. Well, then you kind of it's your first realization of what the stakes are mm-hmm. and how this show plays and that it's like you fall in love with the character and then 20 minutes later yeah. you're like no. Yeah, it's one that you know isn't afraid to kill kill off characters by any by any stretch. Um, so yeah, Ice dies and. Um, you know, and then the whole rest of series story is is them basically, you know, yeah, like like under siege um, in this castle and trying to figure out how they're going to get Siri out. And, you know, and of course, you hint at things. Another one of the big hints is, you know, she tells um, 
um, Siri to find Geralt. But at this point, we don't know why that is. Um, that comes into to play later on. Yeah, if you've seen the series before and you rewatch it, you suddenly pick up on all of the hints and yeah. all the little looks and glances. And you're like, oh no, that when they're talking about this, it's because of this. Yeah. They're really like, the series has great rewatchability potential. And then, and, and then I would say, and then the last kind of key character that I think is introduced at the very end of the the series story is you know this Nilf Guardian, and I don't, I don't, he didn't write down his name. It's Kahir, but I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. It's like okay. C A H I R, I believe. We'll we'll absolutely be talking about him more later because his story he becomes a much bigger character, but he was he's the one who's really pursuing Siri in in this first season. Uh, but you're introduced to him at the very end. And like you said, you, you know, she goes all screamo on him, <laughs> blows up some random black. T- what what was that thing that she? It was like some watchtower. Oh, by the way, credit where credits due. I think I stole that from um, Honest Trailer. So <laughs> I believe I like they made it. the power of screamo joke. <laughs> but you know, knocks down this this random tower that happens to be there, <laughs> and then also creates a whole big chasm between the, the watchtower of convenience. Yeah, and, and this whole big chasm though between the two of them. Then you realize, okay, there's more to this this theory then then meets the eye and i think at this point more than she realized she doesn't oh, know yeah, what's she doesn't going know what's up. she's as confused by that as i think we all are but yeah you know i i feel between the two of these stories you know it makes for a really really powerful episode to the point that the first time i watched this this show through and we maybe should have talked about this a little more at the beginning i had not i had very little exposure to witcher and mm. you had none i had played the game a little bit and you hadn't. Yeah, all that. I knew is I had known that it was based off of a Polish book series mm-hmm. and it was about a monster hunter, his sorceress girlfriend and their adopted kid who was a princess. Yeah. And that was it. And I knew there were games. Yeah, but that was it. That was all and, I had known about it. And I'd played a little bit of the game. I hadn't finished it yet. Um, now I have. Um, yeah, now same. you have as well. <laughs> um, but I hadn't at the time. And so I knew a little bit of the world, but I didn't know the story. I hadn't read the books. And so at the time, I, when I first watched the show all the way through, that was the most exposure I had had right. to mm-hmm. the Witcher same. world. And so looking back at it, like then we rewatched it together. And I remember watching this first episode when we rewatched it and having completely forgotten that so much happened in this episode. Like I remembered yeah. all these things. I thought they happened over two or three episodes. I didn't realize this was all episode one, you know. Yeah, they you... packed a ton. Yeah, yeah. So I know this episode was written by this showrunner, um, Lauren Schmidt. Hisrich. Hisrich? Yeah. Hisrich. Hisrich, yeah. Hisrich. Um, and I think she did a, a, you know, a strong job right out of the gate kind of setting, um, you know, what the show is going to be. In some ways. And then in other ways, she introduces all these characters that never show up again. So I didn't realize she'd written the pilot and she wrote the first episode. Mm-hmm. So that explains a lot of the female characters yeah. and why I'm relating so hard to these strong... I hesitate to use the word strong female character because people interpret that a million different ways. And uh-huh. they think that a strong female character just means she can like beat people up. And that's not it at all. Like I want a character who's got a lot going on and is yeah. layered and is allowed to make choices and make mistakes and be their own person. Like that's what I'm into. And there's a lot of that in this show. Yeah. So I was definitely vibing with that very hard. That is true. I mean, that's one thing the Witcher has in, in spades for certain. And, um, and it is, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you're seeing a lot more of that on TV now, but it still really stands out when you oh, for sure, see yeah. it, especially in the fantasy genre, which I suppose, you know, some shows like Game of Thrones have kind of changed it. But um, but, you know, fantasy has always been 
you know, typically male driven, mm-hmm. you know, like like idealized sort of heroes, white knights sort of things like that's that's always what you think of traditional fantasy as being. And certainly The Witcher is not, you know, on, on all in all regards, you know, there's no one who's truly, truly heroic and there's no one who's well, there's most people aren't truly villainous. You know, they're all sort of in these like weird sort of gray areas in between. And, you know, while we were talking about Siri, we've talked about Siri side of things, but we haven't really talked about. Geralt's introduction to Siri at this mm. point, because he does yeah. sort of get a little inkling via Renfrey doing a weird sex dream prophecy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a little uh, that was the one thing that kind of threw me, I think, a little bit about Renfrey's story. And it is in the the book as well. Yeah, she does do like a she kind she of does like a has prophecy. a little prophecy moment, but it's a little more. It's not natural. about Siri. It's, yeah. and, well, it's it is sort of, but. It's not like they they do it in the show where it's kind of like multiple scenes cut together, which was a little weird for me. I was like, wait, what's actually happening? Is this a dream? Is this not a dream? Is this a flashback? Like what's going on? It's a I've got to say it is a pretty weird sex scene. After (laughs) discovering that this show later on is not afraid to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very like just fade away. Yeah, it was a little little weird. I'm like, you know. I kind of wanted to see them get it on a little bit more. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. But like, um, but it's it's. You know, yeah, you have this sort of weird moment and then it, it leads into this prophecy. And I, to me, I felt like the prophecy was both, like you said, about teasing Siri a little bit about the whole destiny. Yeah, the girl in the woods will be with you always. Yeah. But also it it's prophesy it's it's prophesizing, prophesizing. <laughs> it's 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 predicting what's going to happen um after he he kills, kills Renfrey. Renfrey yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of about two things, which I guess that's what sort of yeah. drew me. I guess it's also an indication that there's a little bit more to Renfri than, you know, than just a normal woman with a bad rap, you know, right, like, right. like she does have that as well as the resistance to magic. But yeah, that's that's an interesting. It's the first sort of indication that Geralt and Ciri are destined to be together. I guess the other would be Calanthe, like telling Ciri to find him. Yeah, that's about the only thing that ties these two stories together at this point. But the wood scene is great. I mean, there's a lot that 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 takes place. I mean, in addition to just some really great conversation between Renfrey and Siri, you, you know, there's also a great conversation <laughs> between Geralt and Roach. Geralt and Roach. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a lot of thoughts on this conversation, <laughs> by the way. Let's hear them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not just that I love horse girl Geralt, like horse girl Geralt has my heart forever. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Geralt is talking to Roach and he's telling Roach, his horse, uh, the story of his first monster, like the first monster that he ever fought after he was on the path. And I understand that we're seeing the scene from Geralt's point of view and it's being used to illustrate his hopes of like he wanted to be this big white knight protector of humanity. And those hopes were immediately dashed as he realized that no matter how much good he did or how mm-hmm. many people he saved, witchers would always be treated like the very monsters that they kill. Right. Yeah. But I have to say, as he's telling the story. I'm kind of on the side of the girl in the story. Right. <laughs> because like, first off, he calls her a girl. And use of the word girl to me implies that she's a teenager. She's like 14 or 15, especially given that we've just established this is his first monster. So he's like, what, 20 something? How old are you when you graduate witcher school? I don't know. Uh But like he's calling her a girl. I would assume she's on the younger side. So let's say you're 14, right? And you're traveling with your dad. And then some stranger attempts to rape you. But he's stopped by another stranger who in stopping stranger number one, 
murders him so hard directly in front of you that you are now covered in the blood of your would-be rapist. Like, hey, dude, I appreciate the assist, but this was super horrifying and traumatic. <laughs> so if it's all the same to you, I'm going to freak the fuck out right now because I don't have the necessary coping mechanisms in place to deal with this trauma. But thanks for making it all about you, bro. <laughs> so like, you know, Geralt, I see what you're trying to put down here narratively, but come on, my dude. In my head, Roach is saying exactly that to <laughs> <hope> him. So. <laughs> you know, like, you know, Roach can't, doesn't have, doesn't have your communication skills, but that's what's going through that horse's head, right? I but, hope so. <laughs> Team Roach. Roach, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the relationship between Geralt and Roach, I gotta say. Like, yeah. you know, part of me just wants him to, you know, just live with the horse, you know, yeah. forget all these other women. Geralt, I love Geralt. He is not the most observant of uh creatures yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's it's funny because it's such a it is such a really powerful story. Or I should say, me. yeah, I know, right? But like I should say he is observant about certain things but not necessarily human behavior yeah that's not and i don't know how much of that is because they do like to say and stregobor even has a line that well witchers don't feel anything and we know that's not true because we see time and time again Geralt obviously feeling a lot of things but yeah. i wonder how much of that is is witcher versus just Geralt being Geralt. you know it's hard to especially at this point in the series where we have not met any other witchers you know certainly in the game you do and in the books you do, and um, and we will be, you know, season two. Yeah, but right now we haven't, so it's hard to compare Geralt as a Witcher to other Witchers, right? Um, but I think you know, yeah, for him that is certainly that's not his his strong point. No, he doesn't know how to people. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious, like how how much do you think um, Geralt really cares about Renfri? Like, if Renfri had left Blaviken with him as he wanted her to do. How deep do you think this connection was between them? Could this have been someone that Geralt had a future with? Could Yennefer maybe never have entered the picture if Renfri hadn't made the decision she did? Or do you think she was just, I don't know, a distraction, infatuation, someone who maybe he had a little in common with? Like, I guess I guess what I'm asking is how deep do you think he he felt a connection. Do I ship her. them? Yes. Yeah. I do ship them. I mean, I, I, I totally <laughs> ship them. But. No, I think he definitely sees himself in her. Yeah. And I think that they definitely could have gone off and had adventures depending on her. Geralt's a very taciturn kind of introverted person. So you need somebody if they're going to be buddy buddy with him that's more outgoing and was like not necessarily an extrovert, but willing to put themselves in his orbit. Mm -hmm. So if she's willing to do that, and tag along, I think that they definitely could have gone yeah. off and had beautiful adventures. The stuff <sighs> of fanfic. I know. But I know. And there aren't there aren't many fanfics about No, the there aren't. That There's one. a few, but not not too many, sadly. If I wrote fanfic. Oh, you I, should, man. It's <laughs> fun. It's a good time. Oh. Uh, um, is now the time we mention you're a big fan? <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Witcher fanfic fan. Yeah. I wrote a lot, guys. <laughs> I have thoughts. Um uh, I one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Mm -hmm that I wasn't sure how it actually played out on the screen with Maroka at the end mm -hmm. when he's being stoned by the mob, yeah. she kind of tells him to get out of town. Yes. But the way that she plays it, it could be interpreted one of two ways. Either she's just like horrified by his actions and wants him to leave, or she's telling him to leave because she's trying to protect him. Like the actress plays it very, you know, and it's, it's, and it's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because I, the first time I saw it, I thought it was, 
the first thing you said that she's horrified and yeah, wants him to like, leave. Get out of here. But rewatching it ahead of recording this, I, 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 I completely took it the other way. I think she is trying to protect him. Yeah, um, she's got like she's kind of teary. Yeah, and she's yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's definitely open to interpretation. But that was. That was my take on it. And he has such a fantastic kicked puppy face that you're just like, oh, no, Gerald not feeling feelings. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so one thing I I missed, um, you know, talking about the ending, one thing I missed uh, also until this most recent viewing, and I don't know how I did, was the fact that he takes her pin. Oh, my God. I missed it, too. The first time I watched it, totally missed the fact that he grabs it. it. But that's why I do. I, I agree with you that I think there was he definitely felt something for her and had this not gone that way, there could have maybe been something between the two of them because, um, because of that, you know, I mean, yeah, we haven't talked about the pin. So he takes her brooch and he winds up in the future, affixing it to his steel sword. Ah. So there's like a constant reminder of him or her just on his sword at all times. And a reminder to not get involved in the affairs of men, which spoiler alert, (laughs) doesn't do so well with that. But I mean, is that what it's a reminder of or is it is it a reminder to not give in to his worst instincts? It could be that. I mean, it's very open and kind of Uh your own interpretation may vary. But it definitely, you know, it shows she made a a real impression Mm -hmm. on him. And, you know, and I think, yeah, had she lived, you know, it's hard to say what could have happened because you do see. Yeah, you see other times later in the season that, you know. It's clear she's on his mind. See, Tim, shipping is fun. Yeah. It's a good time. (laughs) I definitely ship these two. Ship all the characters with all the characters. It's super enjoyable. One last question for me, for you. And this this is the last one I have about this particular episode, which is, you know, and this is a general one. Um, What do you think about the show starting with um, Sapkowski's short stories? As we mentioned, this is based off of a short story in these first two short story collections um, in the series, pretty much all, almost all of season one is based off of various short stories that he's written. What do you think of taking that approach versus starting kind of more with the, the bigger narrative? Because it, what it allows for is episodes like this where, you know, maybe it, it, you know, it all is part of Geralt's story as a whole, but it introduces these characters who then never show up again. Like, so is this the right approach in your opinion? Do you like that the team decided to do that? I mean, I do. Um, one of the reasons I like it is because the short stories do introduce a lot of the main players. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure, you know, I'm not a writer, so I'm not sure how you would incorporate those people into the longer narrative when they haven't already, you know, you, you're you just would, dropping them in as if they're already there, but you, you don't would, really get the rich backstory behind them. You need to do some of the short stories. You need to certainly incorporate them. There are short stories that introduce Siri and Geralt together. And so you would you would need that. You, you couldn't just start for, with, with the first novel. But there definitely are stories they've adapted that you could skip. You didn't mm-hmm. need to have to adapt the lesser evil um, if you didn't want no, to. See, I disagree. I think it, it really introduces an interesting part of Geralt's character. And you learn a lot about him as a, a human, as a person. And- I think it does, but I think it could have been done in another episode with a, a piece that is part of this bigger narrative. I'm not saying it's the wrong approach. I was just kind of curious. I do like that she, that they went that route, but it did make a confusing first season if you haven't read the books or don't care to kind of really discover more about this world. I read, I watched the season and I like these characters so much I wanted to learn about the world. And so I played the rest of the game. I started reading the books. You know, you kind of did the same thing. We've talked about it and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And we learned a lot more about the about the world. But if you don't do that, 
it does just seem like it's a kind of a lot of random hopping around. I will say that, you know, that's a problem with the trope of fantasy in general, the genre. If you aren't, and I should say fantasy adaptations, if you aren't familiar with the source material, there is stuff that's just going to be left by the wayside. And I think about The Witcher and how they, you know, they'll mention certain things. You're like, okay, well, what's that? Who's that? What's that about? I don't. And I remember I was never like super into Lord of the Rings and watching the movies for yeah. the first time. They would mention things and I, not having read the books, was like, I don't know what they're talking about yeah. here. Yeah. So I think that's just, you know, kind of a pitfall of the genre sometimes. But one of the things I like about the short stories and the way that they adapted them, too, is this is the first season. And it's the introduction. If you're not familiar with the world of The Witcher, it's the introduction to the world and the people in this, the series as a whole. So I think working with the short stories would allow them to do a nice episodic format. Yeah. As opposed to immediately having some giant overarching plot. Like you got a little bit of slice of life in addition to some of the bigger storylines that were happening in the background. I mean, it is it's an interesting approach. It's a way they've taken it. And it'll be curious to see how it goes as you know we get into the second season and, and as it starts to get to those bigger stories. Should we talk about this with this whiskey now? <laughs> oh, let's talk about this whiskey. What do you think of this Polish whiskey? <laughs> you know, we've been sipping it a little bit and, you know, it's it's certainly not hard to drink. It's, you know, I think it goes down pretty smooth. I do feel it's a little harsh on the back end. Though. It's a little sharp. I yeah. will be, you know, fair warning. I have what's known in the industry as a trash palate. <laughs> you know, people talk about. Oh, we are oh, not. I hear notes. I feel notes of caramel and let's, vanilla and tobacco. Make, and I'm like, what? It tastes like alcohol. I have no idea what you're talking about. Let's make it about. clear. We are not whiskey experts. <laughs> no. We are not. <laughs> I mean, we drink it. Yeah, we enjoy yeah. it. But <laughs> we are not. You're not going to get, you know, your, your expert tastings from the two of us we just, yeah you know, we're not swirling it and sniffing it we just yeah. immediately started <laughs> we're also not snobs we'll drink yeah we'll drink anything. pretty much anything <laughs> but um but no this you know considering i don't really have much in the way to compare it to as far as polish whiskey well um, nobody does they yeah. don't exist for the most part like, oh. there's a few but it's really not it's I mean, not something they do apparently yeah i mean to me it tastes like a slightly better than average you know kind of american whiskey i mean it doesn't you know, it doesn't it doesn't have like it's not one that I would seek out. Yeah. <laughs> um, that said, I, I am a fan of rye. And I think, you know, um, I think I could see this mixing well with mm -hmm. something like I could, you know, could make it make, might be an interesting one to try to make an old fashioned out of. Yeah, it's it, like I said, it's a little sharp on the back end, but I'm still drinking it, guys. Yeah, it's not stopping me. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, certainly feels like the right one to kick off our new podcast with. For sure. <laughs> so um, one of the things we do when we watch the episodes, Geralt, at least Netflix Geralt, is famously sometimes sort of nonverbal. Almost. Yeah. almost. <laughs> He's a very quiet guy. <laughs> very quiet guy. Yeah. But he has certain vocalizations mm -hmm. that he, yeah, Tim just did one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, mm, but <laughs> I did half of one. So uh, we decided that we were just for funsies going to do a hmm count. So yeah. this is how many hmms have been said by Geralt each episode. So, Tim, let's see. What is the hmm count for this episode? There are nine hmms. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh. Nine. They're nine. Now that's a little bit of a controversial number. It is. It is. <laughs> we saw. We saw. Some people said there were eight, but Valerie and I both counted nine. So we're, there's we're one during that. the battle, right before the battle starts. That's very faint. I'm like, is this a hmm? Does this count? Is this him? But we think it is. Yeah. So, yeah. In our expert opinion, mm -hmm. there are nine. 
so another thing we're going to do with each episode is um <laughs> is pick you know a lot of a lot of choices have to be made in this in the in this show by main characters supporting characters you know people you never see again but you know a lot of pivotal decisions some people do not make the wisest choices and we are going to call them what color? Or care morons. They're, they are care morons. <laughs> care morons. Care Morin, by the way, is the is the castle, the school where um where the school of the wolf is, right? The, yeah, it's yeah. the Witcher's stronghold yeah, Kermor- so. for the wolves. But care morons are just idiots. <laughs> or people who maybe don't make the wisest choices. And um and so we'll each pick one. Sometimes we'll we'll have, maybe have the same one. Do you want to go first? Sure. Or should we do it together? Should we just one, two, three and yell it out? We could try it. All right, <laughs> let's do it. On after three. One. Two, three. Calanthe. Oh, I ah! uh, see. Calanthe <laughs> was my my second. Like it was between the two of them. Okay. Yeah, right. I was. It was also between the two of them for me. Okay. Well, you know, I'll go first. Like I did. I. I mean, Geralt is. He's not always an, an idiot. Like he usually actually isn't. But I just think he was foolish for thinking that Renfrey was going to leave. You know, it just seemed like such so naive to have thought that this was going to resolve that easily yeah know? she's just like oh you convinced me bye yeah yeah <laughs> and it just it seemed like a foolish decision now i don't know if, if things would have ended any better you know um maybe he could have avoided killing everyone in front of the whole town and getting um, exiled from blaviken um, but you know as much as i wanted her to go off with him i knew that she wasn't and, yeah yeah it just seems like a kind of a stupid choice on his part. Um, but Calanthe. I, yeah, yeah, so pride goeth before a fall, man. Yeah, like yeah. you hear, like, how are you ruling this kingdom? Yeah. And Nilfgaard, it's a big army. I know. It's like on the march and you don't realize until they're pretty much breaking down your door. Yeah. Like what's going on there, Calanthe? And then also, okay, they know that they're after Siri. So if you know you're going to battle, why is Siri hiding out in the castle? Yeah. Like, why don't you, even if you think you're going to win, why don't you preemptively get that knight, whose name I forget, sorry, Sir Knight, uh-huh. and get Mausak and like get her the hell out of there and get a head start just in case. Yeah. Like, why are you, this is so dumb. All of these decisions are so dumb. Yeah. What are you doing? Like you said, pride, you know. Yeah. Um, like, Calanthe is absolutely a prideful person. Yeah. You know, she definitely, you know, has has full faith in herself and, you know, and, and, and what she, what she's believes she's capable of doing. She's making decisions, not even like entertaining the notion that, you know what, you know, you might lose, you yeah. know, um, or that they're even coming. Yeah. You know, they have a good talk at that party where yeah. she's just well, like, like Oh, they're they, not going to come for us. The they're fact that they had that party in general, yeah, like, yeah. like Nilfgaard's on the way. Hey, let's have a party. Yeah. And invite all these <laughs> random people. You know, Dignitaries. Yeah. Him. Who then, you know, all die in the castle thanks yeah. to you and your your pride. Um, yeah, I agree. Calanthe was my, it was a, definitely a choice between the two of them. And I just, I figured Calanthe maybe was prideful, like you said, but you're all just stupid. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> So now, Valerie, we're going to move on to another section that we'll be doing each episode. This one I'm pretty excited about. Um, We're calling it Off the Path. And basically what we'll be looking at are differences between the television show and the source material, in this case, the short stories, and some differences um, between the two changes that were made to the show and whether we think these are positive changes. And I definitely have some opinions on, on this one. It's interesting because at first when I was looking at the story, I was thinking like, oh, 
the ch it's largely the same. The changes are kind of small, but actually they're really not. You know, and one of the biggest sort of just a, a surface change is uh, Mar what's it? Morocco. Oh, Marilka. I know. It's I, I had to write down how to spell it because the beginning she's like, oh, it's Morocco, like milk, and I'm like, that doesn't sound anything like milk. What yeah. are you talking about? Well, Morocco is not. She's in the story, but she's. Just she's in like a, a tiny toddler. little scene. Yeah. yeah. She's not a big character. And instead, it's this alderman who is the one that takes Geralt to see um, Stregobor and is the one who tells him to leave. And it actually makes a little more sense coming from him since he's kind of like the city official. You know, he could say, leave Blaviken and it, you know, has some authority behind it. But instead, in this, it's um it's Maralka. But I think, like you said, it's a positive change. I love and, it. Yeah. I really love it. I think it works so well. You know, like I said, I'm always a fan of having another cool female character in the narrative. And she's just so fun and personable and also relatable to Geralt in a way. Like she's looking up to him and she thinks he's really cool and everything. And I like having that viewpoint character. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the Alderman. He's not a bad character, but he doesn't really add much to the, the story the way that I think Moralka does in this episode. I noticed some others, but did you have? Well, just talking about her again, mm -hmm. I did notice that there was a funny thing where they um, took a line from the book and attributed it to her, which is fun. She talks about like stabbing a rat with a fork. Mm. And that's something that he does in the book at the no. alderman's house. He like throws a fork at a rat and oh, stuff. And, huh. Yeah. So that they kind of like took that, that and gave it to her, which I thought was really cute. It was like a fun callback to the story. I have one that I'd like to talk about. Getting rid of all the Shrike references, yes. which I actually am totally fine with. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all. Well, let's let's explain what that is for yeah. people who haven't read the story. Yeah, sure. So her nickname, Renfrey's nickname in the story is Shrike. And if you're not familiar, a Shrike is a type of bird that it looks like a cute little songbird, but it's it is carnivorous and will capture its prey and then basically like impale it on a spike or a thorn or I've seen some on barbed wire before. And it's it, she didn't give herself this nickname. Nope. It's one that um, I don't know if Stregobor gave it to her or like like the basically the people looking for her gave her this this nickname. Um, and she actually doesn't care for it. No, she t several times corrects Geralt. It's like, don't call me that. I'm yeah. call that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and I, 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 I'm, I'm fine with them not mentioning it. I think it just, honestly, you're meeting these characters for the first time. And so, so they, briefly, yeah. Yeah, that it would have just added confusion. Um, but I do think it gets to a bigger dynamic, which might be what you were talking about, um, which I think is the biggest difference between the two, which is, I do not at all get the sense that Renfrey mattered much to Geralt in the story mm. the way she does in the the TV show. In fairness, he he does agree with or with Stregobor. He he takes the same stance. He yeah. seems very skeptical of the curse. He doesn't want to to kill Renfrey. But when he meets Renfrey, which he doesn't meet till after meeting Stregobor in the story. He's he's really harsh with her and, yeah. you know, also is very demanding and just says, get out of town. You know, if if you attack Stregobor, I will defend him. I'm not going to let you um, murder someone in this town. You know, and I don't get the sense that the connection that exists in the show exists at all in the story. Did you? Not nearly as much. And I will say, like, he doesn't take a brooch in the story. No, like, there's nothing no. With that. I mean, he and he does. He does sleep with her, but it's almost like uh, I read that almost like she does this to distract him mm -hmm. so he doesn't think about what her real plan is. But in, in the story, they don't meet up in the, the woods. They meet up in the room he's staying in. So in the alderman's house. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
it, you know, they do have the conversation and she does say, you know, you, you've convinced me I'll, I'll leave. But if anything, it's even less believable in the story. And then, you know, she's like, I don't want to go back yet. Um, <laughs> it's dark and the rooftops are, you know, because she had to go over rooftops to get there. Like rooftops are steep. I just assume leave in the dawn. Hmm, what can we do to occupy ourselves? <laughs> you know, and, and, and it is. Get it, a, girl. Yeah, it is a fun sort of, you know moment and i thought you know after then what happens after it seemed like she used that to distract him they have none of these conversations about monsters or be you know yeah um like i do think she does you know say stregobor is a monster but not as much philosophizing about you know what it is like to be seen as a monster and i felt like that was a really strong addition for um, the show. And I think in some ways it actually answers my question earlier in my mind about why start with this story. I think, you know, in introducing Geralt in the ways that you, you mentioned, I think, I think it's very much present in the, the, the script for the, the, the premiere episode, the pilot episode. I don't think it's there in the short story. I think that's all the, the, the TV creative team, really building that into the story in a way that felt real to me and made sense and really elevated the short story. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, because in my opinion, and also getting to what I was saying earlier, I, I think this is a story that if you hadn't done that, if you just adapted it directly as it's written, it's skippable. I don't think this is a story that really says all that much about Geralt, you know, in Sapkowski's books. I think it's, you know, it's entertaining. It's, it's fine. But I think like it doesn't bring as much to it as Hisrich's screenplay for the first episode. Yeah, so. you know, one thing that is different as well that I notice versus that you know the short story. Stregobor still sucks yeah. in the short story, but he's not as terrible. Like because at the end, after he Geralt basically kills everybody, Stregobor does try to get him to like leave and yeah. is trying to be a little more companionable. Whereas yeah. in the in the TV show, he's just like. Oh, it's your fault. They all hate you now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Which I think is an interesting. I'm not saying it's better or worse. I think, you know, he's more of a villain. He does. No, he's. I think, you know, you could make the argument. He's the one who who turns the crowd against Geralt at the end. Oh, for sure. In the the, TV show. TV show. Yeah. I mean, maybe they wouldn't have uh, stoned him and, you know, and ran him out of town and called him Butcher, if not for Stregobor in the TV show. But in the book, it's clearly that's what they're doing. And right. right, Stregobor does become almost more protective. And and I got the sense, actually, maybe they even left the town together um, because Stregobor is leaving. He says, I'm going back to, to Kovir. And I got he was the, trying to get him to come with. Him. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, they don't make that clear. Yeah. But I got I got the sense that they probably left town together, even if they maybe parted ways right after that. The one thing I will say that I thought was a little stronger in the book was the motivation as to like Geralt thought that they were actually going to start slaughtering people yes. in the town. Yeah. And that's not quite the same or as clear in the show. Like they take Marolka hostage, but that's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. So th- I felt that there was the, that lack of urgency a little bit. Like, why is Geralt suddenly so invested in this? Oh, it's because he thinks they're going to start murdering a bunch of people. Well, but I thought he was invested in it in the show because he cares about Renfrew. Yeah. And he, he's Doesn't like, he realized she's going to make a mistake. Yeah. I want to stop her. And so I felt the mo- like, I get what you're saying. It's a different motivation. It's just a big jump from like, I want to stop her too. I'm going to brutally murder everybody in her gang, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know they're fighting him too. Yeah. But he's defending himself to a point. I, you know, I, I get what you're saying. I, I, I don't know that I fully agree, but yeah. I, I do, um, I do see that as a different motivation. And it, yeah, you were very clear as to 
why he's rushing there in the, in the yeah book. he thinks that they're gonna murder everybody yeah. in the town yeah yeah and that was a that was well written in the story how you find out what that reference was she makes reference to uh an ultimatum i forget the name of it but yeah, yeah it's an ultimatum from something that they've been previously involved in where they killed a bunch of hostages to force i think a city official's hand and let them release some of her, her gang members and 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 you realize that that's what she's going to do in the in in blaviken um so it was a good realization i do agree with that yeah but overall i i mean i was really happy with the changes that they made yeah yeah i'm not always gonna be (laughs) (laughs) let's go putting that out there you know um tim has opinions about things yeah there definitely are changes i don't think are as positive at all um so don't expect us always to be this (laughs) at least me always to be this positive for the show but um but this case i i do think the changes they made were all good ones and i think they elevated the source material in 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 this particular case yeah, I was I was really happy with it. I thought they did a great job. And just that added backstory of the Sintra side of things, too, because um, as I've said, full disclosure, I've only read the first two short story books as of right now. So I don't know if it's, you know, any of that's touched on later down the line. But as far as I know, it isn't right. So, like, they're kind of making up the Sintra stuff yeah. as they go. I mean, this the, the lore exists, but it's not adapting anything directly. Right. Um, the way that the, the girl side of the story is and, and certainly adding that to the episode elevates it i think well let's move on to our final segment Tim. yeah the crossroads of destiny crossroads of what explain what this segment is <laughs> the crossroads of destiny is basically with season two on the horizon there are things we are looking forward to coming up in the new season in each podcast you want to focus on a different topic vis-a-vis season two mm-hmm. so today we are going to talk about costuming oh yeah <laughs> i mean i i gotta say there's definitely room for improvement as far as costuming goes now season one. a lot of people on the internet are kind of harsh on the some of the season one costumes. i really enjoyed the majority of the season one costumes Nilfgaard. i know <laughs> that, that's the one Nilfgaard. that everybody the Nilfgaardian <laughs> armor is uh are they wearing Bubble wrap? What is that? <laughs> I've heard people say bubble wrap. I've heard people say it looks like a foreskin. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the internet has not been kind to the Nilf Guardian armor. There. I'm kind of curious what sort of foreskin. <laughs> I, I don't want to think about it too much, Jim. I'm not drunk enough on this whiskey to think about it. Yeah, so people have definitely not been fans of the Nilf Guard armor from season one. I liked a lot of the other season one guys. I thought the, there were other ones that we'll talk about in future episodes that I thought were cool. But. Yeah. Season two, uh, new costume designer. Mm-hmm. The original costume designer uh, had to leave, I believe, due to scheduling conflicts. So they have a new costume designer of season two. And they've mm-hmm. released a few promotional images mm-hmm. as to what we can expect in the new season. So yeah. I wanted to discuss them with you. Okay. So main character, mm-hmm. Geralt. Yeah. There have been some production stills released of his season two armor. And, you know, if you're not familiar with them, you can check out our Twitter account. We'll have links to some pictures so you can reference what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, Tim, the internet collectively lost its shit over this armor. <laughs> it's very like Greco-Roman inspired. Yeah. So there's like some abdominal definition. That's what I'm wondering. How much are they <laughs> reacting to how well he wears it? Yeah. I think they were comparing it to like the George Clooney Batman suit quite a bit. <laughs> Does it have nipples? It does not have nipples. Although have nipples. someone did mock one up on t- Tumblr with the nipples. But um, <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't hate it. It's fine. Having played the game, you have new armor like every five minutes. So it doesn't bother me so much. We also don't know how long he's wearing it for. I have mixed feelings on the little potion holster on his leg. 
Because on the one hand, I kind of love it. But on the other hand, it seems like you get thrown into something that's immediately going to break. Yeah. It also doesn't feel like it'd be very convenient to pull a potion out of. Yeah. You know? Like it looks like a cool element in a costume design, but how practical is it? Okay. Another one of our main characters, Siri. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a few different stills have been released. One of her in like a training outfit. Another one is the key art where she's in like the white princessy dress. Um, if you're not showbiz familiar, key art's like the show art that you see that promotes the show. So, Tim, what are your thoughts on these? It's interesting. I I have to see the princess armor or princess outfit um, kind of more in action, I guess. Right now, it just looks ridiculously impractical. Exactly. On the Tumblr agrees with you, Tim. Tumblr um, agrees with you. You know, like it just it doesn't seem like something she'd be wearing this season. Um, her training armor looks more practical. Um as such, it's maybe not the most visually interesting, but I, I'm certainly not going to fault it for that. I would much rather see um, costumes that look look cool, but also look practical. Well, you got to figure, too. I mean, story-wise, if she's getting this training armor at Caremore, and it's probably, like, being scavenged from a lot of former yeah. recruits. So it's also possibly, like, boys' clothing. It's yeah. not necessarily going to look cute on her, you know? Yeah. No, for certain. I always thought um, Siri during her, when she's training at Caremore and looks kind of tomboyish, kind of scratched up and bruised and, you know, shouldn't look too pretty. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how she comes off looking in season two. But that princess outfit, I, yeah, I don't know when that's going to come into the story. <laughs> Maybe they'll do more flashbacks. I yeah, know. I always try to uh, not give too much meaning to something. You know, you see yeah. like one shot of it from one second of the show. Sometimes people on the internet get a little crazy about stuff. And it's like, well, we don't know the circumstances as to why she's wearing it or what purpose it serves just quite yet. But, yeah. you know, I'll withhold my judgment. Until yeah. the show. I mean, it's a beautiful dress, but yeah, why, why is she wearing it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then our final character that we're going to discuss which is one that we haven't mentioned yet. And this episode was showing up soon in the series, Yaskir. Yeah. So Yaskir has got quite the look that's been released via promotional still. How would you describe this, Tim? Oh, um, I mean, kind of like a pirate rock star. I don't know how to... <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> like This is by far my favorite. Of, I think of it's pretty story. fun. The internet's general reaction to it was, I hate it. Wait, wait, no, I don't hate it. I love it. It's fantastic. I want more. I don't know why you would hate that. Like, it's, it's amazing. It's pretty great. Um, He's got like a long duster kind of trench coat. It all looks like it's red leather. Yeah. Like it really, it really does feel like um, after... You know, after the events of season one, he went off and like, you know, now he wants to make Geralt jealous or something. Pretty like much. That. <laughs> yeah. I have to tell you, you're not the first person to say that. So. <laughs> um, it's no. definitely a breakup look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, no, I can't wait to see more of Jasker in season two. You just get the sense like he he's going to. I don't know. Be, it's, be curious because I, I know what's ahead in the books and I don't really know um, if they're going to add more stuff with him. And if they do, I'm really curious to see what that is because they've definitely, as we know, have taken some liberties with that relationship. Sure. And I'm super excited to see everyone's outfits. You know, one thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about the episode as a whole, how often the characters are negging on Geralt's clothes. <laughs> like multiple times. Marolka does it. Renfrey does it. They're like, you know, you can buy new clothes at the market. You can get some new clothes at the market. And I have to think it's because it's because he wears the same thing essentially throughout the majority of season one. 
And season one spans like a good two decades. So you got to figure it's the equivalent of like monster hunting and bell bottoms, right? Where he's just, whatever he's wearing is so freaking outdated. He just found something he liked and he stuck with it. And he had like 50 copies of it made and they all live in some green chest in Caramoran somewhere. Oh, so you think it's a bunch of copies of the same outfit? Oh yeah, I think monster hunting has got to be tough on clothes. I think he probably has like 50 of those shirts and they're just sitting somewhere. I'm just thinking it's probably a lot fewer. I'm, I'm thinking the outfits probably stink. They probably oh are yeah, he's of, he is not a kind of Kate sweet smelling stuff. man. Yeah. I don't <laughs> like I, I feel like that's what they're reacting to. I mean, <laughs> it did look a little like old and beat up, but I wasn't sure how much of that was the clothes versus the occupation. You know? Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, I'm excited to see the new outfits and mm-hmm. the new, especially with like the new Witchers and getting to see what yeah. the Witchers are wearing. Getting to see, the, I I know they did redesign some of the Milk Guardian armors. Yeah, no, I've seen some redesigns as well yeah um, you didn't bring up any pictures of them but i do know that they're, they're out there and what i've seen is a lot better than what they're wearing in season one so if nothing else you know props to the new costume designer just for realizing you had some work to do there yeah and i'm really <laughs> excited to see like we haven't talked about yennefer because she hasn't been in this episode but to see what outfits they have yennefer in and her whole black and white aesthetic i'm really looking forward to that should be fun so with that i think we have reached the end of this week's episode. Um, what do you think, Valerie? Any final thoughts on, on episode one? Girl, it's Renfrey forever! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Renfrey will miss you. <laughs> I know. You gotta oh, write the so fanfic. Cool. So cool. Maybe. Hey, it's out there, I'm sure. But no, I really, I really enjoyed this first episode. I thought it was great. I thought they did an awesome job of setting up the world and the lore and the characters and yeah. then taking the characters that I fell in love away from me immediately after. It ends on such a jaunty little tune, too. I don't know what that song is that the final (laughs) end credits end on, but I love it. Um, Some good music. We'll talk about that in the future for sure. Great talking to you. I'm looking forward to getting into the rest of the the season with you. Yeah, especially when my baby yes gear shows up. (laughs) Now let's finish the rest of this Polish whiskey. Indeed. Cheers, my friend. Bye. Whiskey with Witcher is a malcontent media production by Tim Beadle and Valerie Petrarca. Our producer is Sean Farina. For updates, pics, and behind-the-scenes shenanigans, follow us on Twitter at WhiskeyWitcher and on Instagram at WhiskeyWithWitcher. Want to express your undying love for Roach or recommend a good whiskey? Email us at WhiskeyWithWitcher at malcontent.media. Who knows? We might even get drunk enough to read your email in a future podcast. If you like what you've heard, toss us a proverbial coin by rating and reviewing this show on Apple Podcasts and subscribing wherever podcasts are downloaded. Cheers!